Hello, everybody, and welcome to Strung Out. This is episode 25. Man, we're climbing. And um, we have had over 500 downloads of the show since it first came out. So that is very encouraging, uh, especially for somebody like myself, where I've never done this before. Uh, The pandemic has led to strange and wonderful things, and this is one of them. I thought now that we are in the midst of the holiday season, we just started Hanukkah and happy Hanukkah to those of you who celebrate Hanukkah and who are heading toward Christmas. The whole theme of the holiday season is all about peace on earth, goodwill to men, right? And it is very interesting to note that we had recently a Saturday a rally on the 12th of December in Washington, D.C. and other spots across the nation where people were still protesting the fact that uh, Donald Trump lost the election. They don't believe that he lost it. Obviously, you, uh, you'd be on another planet if you haven't been following the news. Disturbing in the sense that uh, you have a group like the Proud Boys mingling with these protesters. Proud Boys are um, an ultra, ultra-right nationalist group. Some of the pictures that have been displayed in the BBC News, uh, taken by Reuters, shows these guys making what looks like the OK sign. It used to be the OK sign. Now it's a symbol of white power. It's pretty, pretty ridiculous. This is what we're up against as a nation and as a people across the world. We're we're against uh, a lot of division. Interestingly enough, there's been uh, last week when I was talking about uh, uh, just an author that I really enjoy, uh, I shared it with one of my brothers and uh uh, Professor uh, Richardson there and and suggested that uh, he check out um, the writings of Heather Cox Richardson. I got a response from him that I thought was kind of interesting because he said, in his opinion, uh, he thought that this professor was um, not worth uh, a grain of salt, in uh, to quote him exactly, because in the uh, teachings of uh, Professor Jonathan Haidt, she would be considered too far over to the left and basically trying to uh, sow division. I thought that was interesting because I I didn't see that in her writings. Um, what I did see in her writings was an attempt by a professor of history to look at things in the long lens, looking back over precedent in our American history specifically, um, regarding just this kind of uh, tumult that we're going through. Very interesting to see just the role that uh, the Republican Party has played. Now, when I got that reply from him, I thought, well, this this Jonathan Haid, who is he? Um, and it's kind of interesting because uh, I thought, well, I will look into He's quoting this uh, guy as the model of um, leveling, I guess, the playing field. So I looked into 
this man. First of all, he's a guy about my age. His last name is spelled H-A-I-D-T. You're going to hear me shuffling some papers here because I printed out an article from May 20th that was in the Atlantic written by Peter Werner. And uh, Peter Werner, or Werner, if you want to go with the German, interviews Jonathan Hade. And um, I turned around and thanked my brother for uh, sending me this article, or he didn't send the article, but giving me this lead about this guy. Because turns out, he's really talking about what I've been trying to talk about on this show for a long time. And that is... Musicians usually get to see every side of of humanity just because we're hired to play for any kind of event. And I guess uh, you could almost laughingly argue that, hey, there's not a job that a musician won't turn down. So over the years, uh, I've played for extremely wealthy people and I've experienced I've had to play for extremely poor people, and I've played for people whose views wouldn't necessarily be my own, and I've played for people uh, who consider family. It's uh, just the nature of the beast. Uh, One of the joys, I think, of being a musician is you can go into different parts of society, and you're not going to be really um, discriminated against. Because everybody likes music, right? And it is a common ground in which we can all come together. So bear with me as I delve into this professor, because uh, Jonathan Haidt, um, what he wrote, he had a book called The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion. Werner was intrigued by that. He said it's extremely easy to spot the weak arguments, hypocrisy, and double standards of those with whom I disagree, he said. It's much harder to see them in myself. Now, I think that's the argument that my brother was trying to make, was that people, myself included, are trying to point out the differences in people and saying this is not right when they themselves are uh, guilty of casting judgment. Well, you know, to be human is to cast judgment, right? Um, you know, in, in the New Testament, uh, you know, Christ talks about pluck the speck out of uh, the one guy's eye while you got a, you know, big plank in yours. We're all guilty of being biased or judgmental, but just how much are we guilty? Tom, uh, hate is the uh, Thomas Cooley professor of Ethical Leadership at New York University's Stern School of Business. That sounds pretty impressive. I think it's kind of interesting that professor of ethical leadership, boy, we could certainly use a cabinet position uh, called ethical leadership, right? These two guys have become buddies over time. And uh, I just want to dive into some of the things that he says because he says it a lot more eloquently uh, to Peter Werner than I can. But uh, around 2008, Jonathan Haidt became increasingly concerned by how politically polarized America was coming. And he noticed that the polarization was just continuing to grow and grow and grow. 
anybody that studies history, recent history, realizes that this really took off with the advent of uh, people that made a living off a of division. You can point the finger directly at people like Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity, uh, the whole idea of these uh, entertainment pundits. And that's a whole other topic I think we need to get into some other time, the way that we should brand these kind of celebrities just like we brand cigarettes with a, a warning label for people saying this is entertainment, this uh, continued listening to this can result in uh, the frying of your brain. But I digress. So hate said, and I quote, I've gotten more and more alarmed every year since then. So that's 12 years ago. There are several trends that are very disturbing, which he calls the rise of effective polarization. Okay, and what he means by that is affective polarization is that you have a side where it's winner take all. It's not sportsmanlike anymore. What it is is gladiator, blood sport, really. They hate and dislike uh, the enemy, and the whole idea is to vanquish uh, the other side. So the destruction of political discourse, everything that uh, the government is based on. So you get exactly the situation, he said, that the founders feared, that James Madison wrote about in the Federalist Papers number 10, which is faction. People are more interested in defeating the other side than the common good. This is a very important point because we are witnessing the pendulum swing of 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 this factionalism probably the best way to call it is is, is it goes beyond racial lines and everything like that it's just uh, some people call it tribalism i i think factionalism is probably the best way but it makes for odd bedfellows as we witnessed with people Mom, pa, people coming in from wherever to uh, protest uh, what they perceive was a rigged election, getting that information affirmed by the faction entertainers, the pundits that are saying to them, yes, 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 this is so true. You know, you can trust us. And then rallying, rubbing elbows with people that are downright dangerous, uh, the Proud Boys, people that uh, are really uh, looking like a, a homegrown uh, domestic terrorist organization. It's scary. So Hake goes on to tell Werner that uh, he thinks that um, this downward trajectory is still going on. I think it is. Uh, we're, we're certainly aware that um, uh, what's going on now is skirmishes between uh, people that want to have factionalism on both sides, right? And uh, what we have to do is is come together and figure out a way forward. So that's, that's an important thing, um, the whole idea of creating community. One thing that he thought 
would be that COVID-19 would create a bridge. And to some degree it has. The polls have shown most people come together and have come together through COVID-19. Even though there are people that don't believe in it and don't wear masks and such, I think we're starting to see it affect so many people that it's now too big to ignore the human suffering. I want to just take a moment and point out that uh, USA Today had an article that I put up on my Facebook page about a town, a part of the world that I love dearly, and that is western Kansas, um, the town of Quinter. Quinter is one of these great western towns. You just uh, you drive into it and you're like, oh man, this is real west. The people are good people, very solid people. They're way out in the middle of nowhere. The two largest cities are basically Kansas City and Denver. So draw a line between those two cities. About a little more than halfway, you get where Quinter is. That gives you a good idea. Right in the smack dab of the Great Plains. Well, Quinter, the people in Quinter, according to this article, delayed and ignored and refuted the fact that COVID-19 was among them. They didn't wear masks and for a town the size of Quinter, Kansas, it's, uh, I believe, if I'm uh, Gove County where Quinter is at, one death for every 138 people. It's a small county. So when you look at population-wise, so this is, this is starting to have an impact is the point I'm making, is that people are friends. I'm sure you know people. They're, they're dying or being severely affected by this. And this has all been exacerbated by factions, factionalism. What's important here is uh, that you, it's not right to be like an I told you so or you're getting what you deserve sort of thing. We have to reach out to those who feel somehow that they've been slighted or feel that um, they are, are dying from something that isn't COVID, we have to give the same compassion that we would give to somebody that's fully aware of what's going on. A, a big part of it is, is just that uh, the entertainment media, again, these, uh, these faction pundits are stirring the pot and have stirred the pot for decades. To the point where people just, if if they said the earth is flat and uh, there are going to be people, and there are, you know, flat earthers uh, that believe in this sort of thing. So it's, it's disturbing that it's going on and it's heartbreaking to see it happening in parts of the world that I really love. It'll never be the same because once you start killing off people that are like the town historian or... You know, the lady that is responsible for bake sales, simple day-to-day kind of things, things that rose above factionalism and tribalism, those things are being killed off. Those people, those traditions are being affected. So there's a lot 
lot to digest here to come over and come together. And this is where this guy, Jonathan Haidt, is, uh, for example, he says, feelings toward Donald Trump, he said, are almost perfectly polarized, uh, Werner reports Haidt saying, but 90% of Americans believe that we're all in it together uh, dealing with this political and pandemic crisis uh, compared to 63% politically in the fall of 2018, goes on to say the share of Americans who describe the country as unified has grown from 4% in 2018 to 32% today, while the percentage of Americans who regard the country as very divided has dropped from 62% to 22%. Other polls show that the divide between Republicans and Democrats on social distancing measures isn't all that large. This is a, a, a good thing. He says he's hate says he's hopeful. And Werner, who's reporting on him, says hopeful, but not naive, because uh, this article, again, uh, from May 20th um, in uh, it's a it's just a, uh, I recommend you to look it up. May 24th, 2020 in the Atlantic. We're going to put a song in right here. And what I'd like to do is continue along. Uh, on the flip side of the song, uh, featuring, as always, that album, Every Day, Every Day. Do yourself a favor and do me a favor and buy that album. I really appreciate it. We're going to continue along about Jonathan Haidt, and then I'm going to talk a little more about what we can do as musicians, specifically, or artists, to make change. So you're listening to Strung Out. When they lowered the door, you splashed all the shore. You knew they were waiting for you. What went through your mind? What thoughts did you find? As above you, the bullets flew. All the great words that you have heard that once sounded so grand were cloudy with doubt through the screams and the shouts as you pressed your face to the sand. Still, if not you, then you wondered who would be there to take your place. And deep in your Neighbor on your 
right, we're back. So what's wonderful about this article is here it is way back in May. It, it It's just ringing true. Hate goes on to say people are always very wary. He said, uh, you know, we all are good at pursuing self-interest. But he says that people are looking for signs that a leader is sincere, is not a self-aggrandizer, is not exploiting us. And he says, leaders who create that sense we're all in this together and show moral leadership can help us overcome our differences and unite us. Obviously, we, we've we had this uh, this president that, according to um, you know a lot of psychologists, is suffering from some sort of mental disorder, narcissistic. There's, there's many articles out about it. You could just argue that the guy is a selfish human being. And that's not taking anything away from some of the accomplishments that uh, President Trump has done. I think uh, long overdue was the realignment with communist China. But that's, uh, again, another topic for another time. Let's continue along. Uh, with this great article. Werner says he wants to know what this man who has spent his life studying division and ethical leadership and how to come together, Dr. Jonathan Haidt, what's he hoping for? He says uh, the political equivalent of Newton's third law. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. I think we're there. I think we're seeing it in the speech of President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. I think right now that the symbolism taken just by face value of the fact that you have this diverse party, this uh, attempt at picking a very diverse cabinet, now will they follow through and reach out and listen and try to get compromise That's the big question. Are they going to or are they going to just pursue a a path of revenge? I don't know. That's uh, something we're all going to see. My guess, betting on a man like Joe Biden, I think he's a unifier. I think it's important for us to give him the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully, if you uh, are listening to this and you're like, well, I I do believe in Trump and uh, I do believe in what the Republican Party has stood for all these years, like many in my family do, admittedly, uh, they are disappointed that Trump is leaving. But they also are part of that tribe that is on the team for just being on the team. They haven't stopped and said, how is this benefiting? Where's the common ground? My judgment about uh, a lot of my own family. Now, I thought this was really cool because he talks about the religious wars in Europe. Again, here's a historical precedent that uh, I was trying to point out to my brother that you have to study history to kind of understand as human beings how we relate to each other. None of this is brand new. This is all just looking objectively at where things are, calling it for what it is, identifying the disease, and basically trying to cure the, the society of this ill, which is this, this illness, which is called factionalism. We had factionalism before. We had the European religious wars. 
And if you look at the Reformation, you could see during that time, there was just a lot of bloodshed, basically. It got down and dirty um, on both sides, the uh, counter-reformation of the Catholic Church and uh, the Protestants coming back at you, throwing the Cathars. It's an interesting read, but people split along ideological principles. Part of it was motivated by politics of the time. So you have what you have kind of going on now. The upshot of that all is, is what hate points out is none of that went away. It just, people got tired of it. People got tired of it. It subsided. And then the pot got stirred up again. As evidenced, you could actually say, uh, you know, the uh, the rise of the Nazi party is one of those things. The environment is ripe for it socially, economically. These are the kind of things that create factionalism, okay? So when the balance of all of this is upset, when you start losing a balance of economic opportunity, when you start losing the balance of people being able to rise out of their class or or their culture, the, um, especially in a, a diverse democracy like the United States of America, when that's tamped down, you're going to have people looking for a way to make themselves feel better. And that's the rise of factionalism. That's why we have uh, what we have right now. Coupled, again, with people that are in the business of creating factions, making money by saying your side is right and we're against them. That's all you need. And if you look through the news at these reputable channels or turn on AM radio, yeah, you're going you're gonna to hear these people. They're dangerous to democracy. And so that's something that we have to keep in mind as well, what's going on here. Uh, Jonathan Haidt, uh, he talks about himself is kind of a soft atheist, I guess he would describe himself. He, he just, uh, he, he, he basically was uh, uh, considering himself uh, a partisan liberal for a long time. At some point, he decides that his uh, partisanship, he says uh, he considered himself a partisan liberal through the mid-2000s, but a key moment occurred in a used bookstore, of all places, in New York City, just a month after John Kerry had been defeated by George Bush. He says, in preparation for teaching a graduate seminar in the spring of 2005 on political psychology, Haight read an introductory essay by the historian, there's that history again, Jerry Muller, in a book Muller edited, Conservatism, an Anthology of Social and Political Thought from David Hume to the Present, Sounds like a real, real read. Let's uh, take a little break here, throw another song, and I'm going to continue why this book that uh, Jonathan Haidt picked up opened his eyes and gave him an ability to appreciate both sides of the coin. You're listening to Strung Out. I'm your host, Martin McCormack. 
continue along with this book that hate reads and uh, uh, conservatism an anthology of social and political thought from david hume to the present he educates himself on what conservatism is all about and he comes to an epiphany that conservatism offers an important counterbalance to the excesses of progressivism a lot of progressivism. Say that five times fast. So, in other words, he becomes a centrist, a way of thinking that there has to be give and take, which basically is what the American democracy is all about. 
he says that he votes for Democrats because he thinks the Republican Party has been in a state of moral and psych- philosophical decline. That's what Werner says about Jonathan Haidt. You know, a bleeding liberal, he realizes that in order to pursue his career, his calling of, of trying to find out what it is about the morality of politics and such, even though he's an atheist, so he's not dragging God into this as much as he's dragging in what needs to be done to create balance and harmony in in society. He embraces the idea that conservatism ain't all that bad. This is important for all of us to, to accept that every side has some sort of idea, makes some sort of logic. You don't have to look at the other side as being 100% wrong. What's important is that side civil, is that side willing to meet you halfway, almost like, you know, the, uh, the do no harm, right? <laughs> That's basically it. That's healthy. That's healthy for all of us. And that's how the uh, society has been maintained. It's when it starts spinning into this winner takes all. And when you have people that are in charge who believe the winner takes all, then you have a problem, right? That's kind of where we are right now. We're hopeful. Hate, he says, I've always thought of myself of as I'm a liberal. I'm going to just look the John Stewart a little Millicent. more here. I believe in a society article. structured to give individuals the maximum freedom to construct lives that they want to live. We use a minimum of constraint. We value openness, creativity, individual rights. We try hard to maximize religious liberty, economic liberty, liberty of conscience, freedom of speech. And that's his definition of uh, why he calls himself uh, uh, a centrist, but a liberal thinker, not liberal in the sense of uh, politics in that sense, but the idea that we, we set this up so we harvest the greatest potential from our greatest natural resources, which is human beings here in the United States of America. But, he notes that with the left, he says, there's a movement that has made something else sacred that's not focused on liberty, focused instead on oppression and victimhood and victimization. And once you get into a framework of seeing your fellow citizens as good versus evil based on their group, it's kind of a mirror image of the authoritarian populism on the right. Any movement that is assigning moral value to people, just by looking at them, is a movement I want no part of. Now that right there, guys, is the crux of where we're at and why we need to have centrist sort of thinking. We should not ascribe to polarized vision on either extreme of ideology. It's, it's basically uh, common sense, right? Uh, looking at the idea that, you know, the people that are on the far left, they perceive people 
in the centrist. You can even see it playing out with the Democratic Party. Is that person, is that person progressive enough? Is that person going to create the change that we've been longing for that uh, needs to happen now when they're not looking at the whole? And we have to look at this country as, as a whole and also a very, 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 very complicated mosaic of regional, economic, agricultural. I mean, there's so many things that play into trying to put together the this whole thing of America that once you start kind of going from one corner to the other corner, you're, you're asking for trouble. That's, you know, hey, what he's talking about here is very, very, very straightforward. I'm going to, to leave it there for now. And again, encourage you to read this article. I read it all the way through. I just think that it's wonderful to see that this guy is out there, that there are people out there that are talking morality from a non-religious sense. We need to have that. We need to have that. And this is where I want to kind of pivot and address why music and the arts are so important to creating this feeling of unity that it's a very important mission right now for all of us in the arts to focus on the idea of bringing people together. If you want to make an impact, my opinion, my humble opinion, is that you go, you get nowhere by trying to preach what you believe in as the only way forward. What you have to preach is, is that as Lincoln said, the angels of our better nature, that we are here in this together, that we can come together, set aside our differences, that we can grow a great nation, that we can solve societal ills, that we can lift up people, that we can make a difference. The way that you do that as a musician is that you play for the people. That sounds really simple and kind of a duh thing, but you have to ask yourself, what what is it about your songwriting? What is it about your art that you're trying to convey as an artist? Are you trying to convey the idea that you live in a beautiful world? As a musician, are you trying to convey the idea that life is short and we need to come together and celebrate life, we need to help those who are not able to have as much joy. These are the kind of things that, again, don't even have to be religious, but are moral. And so as an artist, as a musician, you have a moral responsibility, I feel, to guide the nation forward, to guide people forward, to touch souls in a positive way. Every so often, you see artists out there that will write in sort of a political vein or they will write, they'll follow the path of violence, right? And there are certain styles of music that glorify violence. And uh, you have to kind of lump that in to the same department, I think, as those talk show hosts, factional pundits that are making money off of division. We have to, as a society, and especially as artists, we have to make a stand. 
is it proper enough just to make money off of hurting people in the long run, right? Is it proper as an artist, as a musician, to glorify the fact that having a lot of economic wealth to the detriment of others is something laudable, right? The human condition is very complicated, and so there's always songs that are out there that teach lessons, that teach morals and such, and those those are fine. I think where things get a little weird and a little dangerous is when you start embracing the idea that economically and um, you start tearing at the the fabric of society. And this is where you see artists, especially those that are very, very successful, they really have a, a difficult time with it because there's a lot of money riding on that stuff, right? A lot of money riding on your performance. What are you going to look like? What are you going to do to uh, uh, influence people? How are you going to present yourself? What, what is it all about? It's all related to what I'm trying to say. You can be a partisan thinker, you can be a factional thinker by presenting your art in a way that degrades or splits people apart. Those are things that are out there. I think the most important thing that music should do is create that sense of community to look at the uplifting of people. Very difficult, very difficult to do in such a way that people are are going to accept it because it's counter to everything that uh, factionalism gives you. Factionalism gives you access to wealth. Factionalism gives you access to sexiness. Factionalism gives you access to violence. And so when you're trying to do something morally in a society that where religious freedom is tolerated, however, separation of religion and state should exist, this is the call of musicians. This is where, you know, an ancient... Irish society, for example, you know, the, the bards, it was their duty to bring the kingdom together. Where I'm at with this right now is that we are on the cusp of uh, having a new administration. We have an opportunity to address our fellow citizens in a new way. We have a responsibility to heal the wounds. Some of this is going to have to come from acknowledging how bad things have been. And some of it is going to have to come from just being who we are, unafraid and open to others. And music will continue to play an important role in bringing people together. But you have to choose to bring people together. I'm going to leave it there today. And we can continue on with uh, Strung Out, episode 26, next week. Um, in the meantime, I hope you enjoyed this podcast today. 
a lot of deep thinking, a lot of preaching on my end. And uh, I want to again just uh, say this this article from the Atlantic uh, about Jonathan Haidt, I, I highly recommend that you read it from stem to stern and see if you agree with me. Um, I think my – again, I think my brother was trying to teach me – he just thought that, uh, you know, that uh, polarity exists on all sides and uh, I think what he didn't realize is the person that he was quoting is a person that uh, basically uh, – is preaching the idea that we can rise above the better angels of our uh, to our our better angels of our nature. But again, you got to do it with eyes open. You just can't say we're all going to get along because we need to get along. You have to objectively look at the way of treating the disease of factionalism that's out there. And in summation, my advice, my plea to fellow artists is. Examine your own work and ask yourself, am I dividing people or am I uniting people? Am I lifting people up or am I tearing people down? How am I contributing to factionalism? So that's it. That's Strung Out, episode 25. I'm your host, your uh, podcaster, Martin McCormack. You can always reach out and comment to me at martinmccormick.com. Thank you so much for riding along the trail with me on this one. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.